That's so on brand for you. So on brand. Yep, very on brand. Hey everyone, welcome to the That's So On Brand podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Mann. I'm a graphic designer and business coach, and I am endlessly fascinated by other people's passions. It's our passions that make us unique, relatable, and people that others want to work with and get to know. I'm on a mission to get people thinking about their story and how their life experiences have molded them into the entrepreneur, athlete, or professional that they are today. You may not be for everyone, but you are most definitely a person that someone out there needs right now. So join me every Wednesday to hear from aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners and see just how unique, authentic, and inspiring each person's journey is. So let's get into it. Let's get started. Okay. So I have Rebecca here with me today. Hello. Hello. It's good to have you on and to see your face. Thanks. <laughs> We're always connecting on Instagram. And I think back to the time that we accidentally met in person. And I'm pretty sure like neither of us like realized it until we like got home. Or like, I don't know, I was like on the trail after on whiteface, right? That was yeah. mine. And I was like, I recognize that person. Why? <laughs> yeah. I was telling my mom about it actually this afternoon. Um, kind of trying to give her the background on how you and I know each other and how we, I definitely think I recognized you on trail, but I also wasn't quite a hundred percent sure. Right. Um, I think what your handle was maybe, or, um, I didn't want to be weird and be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that it's really funny because I, I don't know how long we've known each other, but it's been so long and it's kind of interesting. We've only ever met once in person. I know we didn't even mean to, but that's the nature of the internet these days. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which we'll get into of course, but yes. let's start with who you are. Tell me what you do. Um, I am right now I am in grad school. I was a special educator for seven years and I decided in 2020 to go back to college to work on getting a master's in fine arts and writing So I am currently in my second year working on my MFA, and I also work as a freelancer writing um, for different outdoors industry clients mostly. So that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. Right now I'm in a kind of a weird place because I'm mostly just a student, but I also try and keep a couple of clients um, simply because it's good to have them and they're awesome to work with. So yeah, totally. And what, and you said that those clients are more outdoors based, right? That's kind of the, okay. How do you pronounce it? You're a writing person. Is it niche, niche, niche? What is it? Um, I would say it's my, um, my niche, I guess, niche. but okay. I think you can really, whichever way you feel most comfortable <laughs> saying that word. Okay. Um, I like niche. Niche is also a nice way to say it. Um, but yeah, I, I work with, um, two different clients in the outdoors industry. And I've written for several other clients. I just, right now I'm only focusing on a couple because I'm really busy with school. So it takes up a lot of time. So typically at this time I'm asked, I ask people what their like business name is and what their logo looks like and what they focus on for, for visuals, but you don't have any of those things. And that's totally cool. And that's not really why I brought you on here. I'm much more interested in your views on social media. So we're going to get into that, but I just wanted to address that because people who listen to this will probably be like, why aren't we talking about logos? But it's not really relevant here. And that's cool. So I'm more interested right now in the trajectory of events that led you to go back to school, really, because like you said, you, you were in a different industry for so long. And I'm very curious when people like, take a big step in a different direction, why they do that? Yeah. So I taught for seven years and I did two years prior to that working as a, um, aide in the classroom. So I had about almost a decade worth of, um, public school under my belt. And I got to a point where I was really involved in hiking. Um, I would say in like 2018, 2019 and, I became extremely passionate about the outdoors and really 
started falling in love with writing and was writing for a very popular website that a lot of through hikers are usually on um, called The Trek. So I started getting really involved with that website and then became more and more involved in the social media aspect of that website and just kind of everything sort of circumstantially led me to maybe I should try going back to school and getting a degree in, in writing and try a different career path. Um, and it was definitely a huge leap and leaving work. It, this is the first time in my life I haven't worked officially like a real full-time job. It's be so crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of scary. At first it was really scary. I remember um, talking to you about it. You were like, I'm doing it. And I was like, yeah. you'll figure it out. Yeah. And it's funny because I was just talking to one of my friends who freelances also. And I said to them, I do not want to go back to a regular job now. Like I don't want right. to do that life again. Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. Like I got to figure out this life because I cannot go back to that life. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been a very interesting last couple of years, especially with my diagnosis. So in 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer a couple of months after leaving my job in education and right before starting grad school. So that was not expected and turned into 14 months or so of active treatment. Um, and I finally am at a place the last two semesters where I was able to do three classes, not just one or two. Um, but yeah, it's been a really, really crazy last two years and unexpected things that have come up kind of because of my diagnosis also that I really wasn't, um, expecting or planning for, but in, in a lot of ways, it's kind of me sharing my journey publicly has given me opportunities that I am very thankful for as a freelancer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it'd be crazy for me not to ask you a little bit more about your hiking experience because what you were attempting and then what you are attempting now are just two crazy, amazing things. So elaborate on that if if you don't mind. Sure. <laughs> that's so, kind of like a full-time job for you, honestly. Yeah. So originally in um 2020, I decided, well, prior to 2020, but 2020, I was going to attempt to hike all the trails in the White Mountain Guidebook, which is called redlining, but it's also kind of been changed to be referred to as tracing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hiking about four th- uh, 1,400 miles, plus you have to do a lot of out and backs. So it ends up being around 1,800 miles. Um, and my goal was to do it in a year. Um, I started it in January of 2020, and then March, COVID happened. So I had to get off trail. I couldn't keep working on it because I wasn't able to commute to the trails. Um, So for two months I was off trail and I was like, I can't take two months off. So I'm going to start over. So I started over in June of 2020 and worked through the summer. And then I got my diagnosis in August and had to again, get off trail And then my plan was to start this January and I actually ended up not starting. And I know, I'm not sure if you were aware of that or not, um, because I financially had to look at what is this going to cost me? And it ended up being around $7,000 in gas to do this. Wow, something that I wouldn't think about. (laughs) Yeah. So I ended up calculating my, like how many days a week would I be driving and financially, how is this going to benefit me? Am I going to be able to afford to do this? And am I willing to put tens of thousands of miles on my car for a goal that is more or less just for me at this point? Um, right. So I ended up for, um, foregoing my attempt. Um, but originally the plan was to start again this January and to work on doing it throughout the next year. Um, and also my I think going through treatment really changed a lot of my personal, um, like what I want for my life and what I want Mm -hmm. to do with my time. Mm -hmm. So I have been spending a lot more time with my family and friends, and I wouldn't be able to do that if I was hiking three days a week and going to school two days a week. Right. So it makes, it made sense for me to not make the attempt. And it was something that I was perfectly content not doing um, for a third time. So 
as of right now, I am just hiking along and doing, you know, I'm 56% done. Wow. After all my attempts and reattempts. So I'm just working through. And right now I haven't had a chance to be working on that particular list as much because of winter, but then once summer starts, I'll be right back at it. So. Yeah. I, it's interesting that you talk, that you speak about like having these goals and then kind of like reassessing them uh, forever. I wanted to hike the Appalachian trail like forever mm-hmm. since I was like little. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, a couple of years ago, I was like, I don't actually want to do this. Like, it's not a goal that I have anymore. It doesn't like fit into my lifestyle and what's important to me. And I think it's just an important lesson to, to learn. It's, it's less about the goal and more about like putting your ego aside, especially if it's something that big and you've been like talking about it and people know about it and they know you for that it's like part of your brand, right? <laughs> is yeah. hiking. Yep. So having to take a step back and be like, you know what, this actually isn't serving me or I have to just reassess how I'm, I'm going to, to do this. That's an important lesson for, I think, anyone. Yeah. And it's definitely not something that was an easy decision to make because of the public piece of it. But um, as we'll, I'm sure, talk about going forward in the conversation, I've actually taken a big step back from being public. Mm-hmm. and really reassessed how much I want to share with the world, I guess, and social media in terms of my personal life um, over the last two months or so. So um, that also was a big reason why I kind of was okay with the decision because I didn't feel quite as much of an obligation to the world. Right. Um, although I will say I... So I was kind of nervous that I would stop feeling as motivated to go hiking if I stopped being public on social media. Right, and I kind of an accountability factor to it. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I've actually not had that at all be the case. I still hike every couple of days and I still, um, am very active as much as I can be while I'm dealing with so much homework. Um, right. <laughs> But yeah, I actually have been pretty happy to not feel like I have to be motivated extrinsically and that I can deal, I can still be intrinsically motivated to get out there and do fun things. Right. I mean, think about the reason why you started doing it at all. It was totally internal motivation. So it's just getting back to that route, I feel like. Yeah. So it's been honestly really refreshing and kind of, um, I don't, I wouldn't want to go back to being public now, having been private for the last two months. And that's a tough thing because of the fact that my industry that I'm in, there is certain expectations that I have a public, um, account and it's something I've thought a lot about. I'm still not really sure how I would go about handling it. If there was a reason that I needed to have a public Instagram or whatever, I would just build a new account probably. But like, I really hope that it doesn't come to that in a way. That's a really interesting point that I hadn't thought about because I'm an entrepreneur, obviously. So I don't really answer to other people and other companies in that way. They don't have to, I don't know, my, my social media is more for me, not for, and my business, but not for other people's um, companies and businesses. But it's a good point that I didn't think about like having to have a public profile if you're like representing someone or if you're sponsored by them um, that, that adds a whole other layer to that. So that actually brings me into my next question. I usually ask people about pet peeves in their industry, but I really want to dive into your thoughts on social media and you can, you don't have to like get too personal about it, but I guess just like lay the groundwork for, you know, when you were public, what it was like and why you decided to take it more private. Sure. So originally I just, so I was a teacher doing my thing. Um, Hiking was a hobby that I had on the side. And as an educator, there's a lot of districts that actually have it more or less written into the contracts now that you can't, you can't be associated with students or parents outside of school. And so having a public social media account was really kind of frowned upon, but not really officially frowned upon right? because they don't want that fraternization. Plus you don't want kids finding you. So (laughs) 
I took the risk and had a public Instagram while I worked as a teacher and was safe. Thankfully, I didn't have any issues because I'd used a fake name and everything. Um, anyways, it just kind of became this growing of followers through the through outdoors, like hiking community. Um, people found me massive through, community. Yes. And in New Hampshire, it's a very tight knit community. So I just kind of that's how I found you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you and I found each other through that and kind of just over the years that my account grew slowly. It wasn't like, a, you know, I was blowing up or anything. And then last year when I got diagnosed with cancer, that was when my account got a lot bigger. And I, I think I had 3000 followers when I was um, starting chemotherapy and then it went up to about five. Yeah. So, um, so it got a little, um, it wasn't really that it was scary because I didn't care that people were watching my journey and I was happy that I was able to help so many people along the way. Like as I was going through treatment, I met people that were also going through treatment and a lot of people reached out to me because I would also use my website to kind of communicate my, my, um, treatment process. Right. Um, and that was originally because I just didn't want to have to keep reiterating it to the, the world, like, fam- <laughs> yeah. like family and friends. Right. Like, I don't want to have to keep telling every family member I have the story. I just want one place where they can go and look, go to my Instagram story. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's why it originally started. It was more or less out of me being, yeah, like I'm lazy. I don't want to keep telling you the same story. So, um, people found my website and started reading my posts and then I would publish on different hiking websites if I had a post I thought would be applicable. So then of course I started getting discovered by some different podcasters in the outdoor industry who interviewed me. And, um, I had a visual podcast done in March, I think of last year by a pretty well-known photographer. And it was all just kind of this snowball effect where my account grew and my following grew, not like I was massive. Cause I certainly don't consider 5,000 followers that big of an account, a lot, but yeah, I understand what you mean. It's not like a million or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I was perfectly content with that, but then at the same time, it would become more for me. It was, a, it was, um, I would take it personally that as my journey continued, it was no longer as exciting. So people wouldn't ask how I was doing as much. And that became something that I really felt affected by, Um, And I felt used by a lot of people in, especially in terms of interviews for podcasts, that it would be like, I'm going to interview you and then never check in on you to see how you're doing. It's like, I don't think people quite realize the level of um, trauma a person who's going through cancer treatment is experiencing. And it felt like I was being taken advantage of. So I kind of went through a phase over the summer where I wasn't sure I wanted to be public. And then I decided to make my Instagram private. And then I went back to public again. And I kind of wish was wishy-washy about it for a few months. Um, and I also had a few friends that were pressuring me to stay public because they felt like I was helping so many people and I needed to be public so I could continue to do that. And it, it was a little bit of pressure from them that kept me public. Mm-hmm. But um, this past winter or the beginning of December was kind of when it all came to a head. And I had an experience where a woman who was following my Instagram, which I had no clue who any of these people are for the right. most part, because I'm just responding to direct messages from anyone really. Right. Um, I had a woman message me about a post I had put on my website over the summer that was kind of like, she was kind of bad mouthing a person in the hiking community. Mm. Then this past fall, the same woman was direct messaging me about her personal diagnosis with cancer, asking me advice. And I, of course, had no, I didn't recall the the former conversation. Right. It was so long ago. And there's so many people. Yeah. So I ended up responding and, you know, giving her kind of some feedback and hoping that she didn't have cancer because she was still going through that part of it. And it ended up being, um, this huge fallout where she was actually still, she was associated with a person in the outdoors industry that I'm not associated with. Mm -hmm. And I ended up having this huge, like kind of explosion all over the local social media scene where I was being accused of 
trolling this person. And like, it was just really a messy situation that kind of was the last straw for me. Right. Just unnecessary drama. Yeah. And I was trying to do something good by helping everyone in terms of sharing my journey publicly. And then to have this person, what it felt like was use me when she needed her own, when she needed help in her own journey, it felt very personal and very kind of like she took advantage of my openness. And so that was kind of the last straw for me. And I decided I needed to not be a public Instagram for my own mental health. Right. So long story short is I ended up going through, and this was not a, this was a long process and removing all <laughs> my followers. Oh, I didn't know you did that. Oh my yes. God. I removed all my followers with the exception of people I knew personally knew, like Mm-hmm. actually know the person. And I now have 160 something followers and follow about 160 accounts. And I'm perfectly happy keeping my <laughs> circle extremely small. I took down all of the posts on my website that were associated with my breast cancer journey. Oh, I didn't know that. I privatized them because okay. I wanted to keep it private from my own like health. I needed to not have this be out there. Um, the other reason is because the woman that had been messaging me through Instagram started messaging me through my website. Oh my God. After I had blocked her Instagram. So I just felt extremely violated. Um, so it became kind of like, I need to protect myself and I'm doing this for myself. So I did. And it's still not have, I still not have I still have not publicized my cancer, what like those parts on my website. My website is basically just my portfolio for writing mm-hmm. at this point. And um, I feel comfortable keeping it that way. The only reason I would ever go back to the way I was is if for some reason I was required to because of some brand I was working with. So because yeah. I'm a public figure in a way as a writer there's certain obligations to be open about your life. And that's actually one of the questions you'll get sometimes if you're pitching to a brand is what's your following on social media. So yeah. if you don't have enough followers, they're not going to want you writing for them necessarily or being sponsored by them. So that's yeah, a, that'll be an interesting thing that comes up. If they ever ask you, you'll be like, well, <laughs> thing that's been really good is because of the fact that I developed a lot of really great relationships with specific brands while I was still public, mm-hmm. the different editors that I work with currently are extremely understanding and they know me well enough to know that like they, they feel comfortable having me be a writer for their site, regardless of my own Instagram following, like that doesn't affect them. Right. Like the quality of your work is what is attractive to them. <laughs> like yeah. they, they trust your, your work and your writing style. That's like the highest compliment you can get. Yeah. It's tough because I know eventually I need to be comfortable with being more public. If I want to be a public, if I want to be a writer, I need to be able to be a public figure. Well, it depends an on the kind of writer, right? Yeah. Like I try to remind myself, well, if you're an author and you write books, not everyone knows. I don't know. Another thing that's different is the world of writing is on Twitter and that's actually really the platform I should be on, not Instagram, but because of the backpacking and outdoors world that I freelance for, I'm on Instagram. So, yeah, that's interesting. I don't, I don't have a Twitter myself. I used to, when I was like in college and I look back at the tweets and I'm like, who was I? What was I thinking? So funny. Yeah, I have, I have a Twitter. I don't have it. Like, I don't even have the app on my phone. I know I have a handle, but I don't use it because there's nothing on there for me. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I talk about that with my clients all the time. I actually, I had someone who I was just connecting with just like a quick networking meeting. um, And they were like, you should be on LinkedIn. Why aren't you on LinkedIn? I was like, well, first of all, I am on LinkedIn. So that's a lie. But number two, I don't like LinkedIn. So I have like the bare minimum of requirements. I have everything filled out. I'm connected with the, like hundreds of people. It's not that I'm not on there, but I prefer Instagram. And that's 
where I meet people and where I get clients. And that's how I feel I can, where I feel I can best express myself and my work. And I like it. And I don't think anyone should be on anything that isn't natural to them. But that's just what I think. Yeah, there's a lot of push to be on all of the different social medias, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're going to be an influencer, which is kind of what you usually I would be aspiring to want to be an influencer if I want to have a client base to be a writer. Right. Um, but now I don't have that pre- that pressure, really. I can just kind of do my own thing. And I think that it w- if I was trying to do a different form of of, um, art, I guess as a career, it would be different, but with writing, it's a little bit less of a pressure to be quite as public. Yeah. Thankfully. And I'm not trying to be like a person who's sponsored by certain brands where I have to do ads on my Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) Thankfully I don't have to do that. So. Yeah. I feel the same way. I think one of the messages that I'm getting from you and you said this is connecting with people and just like surrounding yourself with people in your network mm-hmm. who are great people and who like your work and believe in what you do and are kind and understanding and you don't have to be on social media to be successful I mean social media is a huge part of our lives now but really it's real life that Mm -hmm. makes a difference (laughs) it's the people in real life like if I went off Instagram for a month I'm pretty sure I'd be okay because I have clients and people who I connect with every day who are still referring me to people so I don't know I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves to be on social media all the time when in reality you don't have to be yeah I definitely don't envy people that they feel like they need to post so many times a day, or, um, there's certain criteria that you want to meet to get the algorithm to be in your favor. And there's just all these sort of, um, tricks and stuff that I I've been made aware of over Mm -hmm. the last year. And I'm very glad that I don't have to play that game because I see the people that I follow that do have to play that game. And I just don't envy them because the level of stress that you're under is kind of ridiculous all for some computer-based algorithm. It's not even necessarily that it's a human being that is creating the situation you're in. It's a, it's a computer that is doing it. Right. But it doesn't make it any less stressful. Right. Yeah. I'm taking an Instagram intensive course right now. And the person teaching it the other day was like, honestly, people, I do not wish like going viral on any of you because when you go viral, that means you get exposed to all these people who are not in your target audience Mm -hmm. and who don't know you and don't understand the context of what you're saying or what you're doing and just commenting like willy-nilly picking apart things that have nothing to do with your message like looking at your clothes or I don't know just like the way you talk like it's not fun to go viral it's the the slow burn of natural growth that is what you want because that way you're actually attracting people who you want to see your stuff not these random people like I know when I post reels and I get like a hundred likes on a reel I'm like kind of excited and then I look and I'm like who are these people they're random people who are never going to work with me it's just dumb yeah so there's a person that's in the outdoor industry that just recently went viral like their Instagram grew by 50,000 followers. 50,000? Yes, in like three weeks. And I actually feel bad for them because I, I've i seen a couple of their more recent reels and comments that have basically been like having to combat all of the trolls that they just got kind of because hey, of the right. fact because they're um, a plus size hiker. So they're getting a lot of hate for their size and their stature and whatever. And like, I don't envy them. Because it's like you, and I know this is what they want because they've been trying to grow a following. So, you know, I'm happy for them because it's what they want. But at the same time, I genuinely do not envy them because the number of messages that they're getting now, they can't even respond to their direct messages because they're getting so many. And it kind of makes you, it kind of separates you from your audience in a way that if you're trying to build a connection, it's not benefiting you. Um, Exactly. That's the perfect way of putting it. 
Like one thing that I always prided myself on is I'd respond to every message I'd get. And it would be not just like a like, I would actually sit down and read what they wrote and try to write a legitimate response. Because that was one thing that always was a pet peeve of mine is people who would just kind of blow off if I commented or whatever. And it's not easy and it is time consuming to do that. And I only had a couple thousand followers. So yeah. Like well, I don't you build a strong brand is you actually interact with the people who are interacting with you. That's how you stay memorable. Yeah. And I think the biggest message I got from various people, kind of big names in the outdoor industry that have kind of connected with me over the last year and a half, the big thing that the one thing that everyone kept saying is that I was real mm-hmm. and I wasn't sugarcoating it, I guess, or trying to put on a facade. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that if there's one thing that people are going to appreciate, it's your, your, um, honesty with them and being a genuine human being and not trying to put on a show because they'll see right through that. And that's how I ended up building relationships with some of these clients is because now like they trusted me and they knew that I was a real person and I was being authentic. And that was what they wanted. Um, so yeah, it's funny when I, when I think of you, the things that I think about, I'm like, I think of your cats and I think of junk food (laughs) because you always post when you go on your hikes, you're like, I'm eating this today. (laughs) It looks so good. I know. And yeah, I think of someone who's just not afraid to tell it like it is. I think that's one of my favorite things about you. Yeah. I have a tendency to be like a little too honest sometimes, which is what gets me in trouble, I think. But yeah, I, I think that, um, it's boring to me. I won't follow an Instagram if it's kind of cookie cutter. Um, cause it just bores me. It's like, I don't want to watch that. That's not even real. So I've always <laughs> kind of tried to keep it as real as possible because of how that's just not something that I'm attracted to. Yeah. We're not attracted to in real life. We're not attracted to people who are boring. Right. Yeah. Like, I think we forget that a lot of the things that happen in person, they, they should be happening on the internet. You shouldn't be following people who make you feel like shit. You shouldn't be randomly messaging people whatever you want without thinking about their feelings. You wouldn't do that in person. You wouldn't just go up to someone at a store and be like, I hate your jacket. Like you just yeah. wouldn't do that. Like there's just so many things that we forget about. I don't know, being on the internet. It's not, it shouldn't be different than being in person. Like there are real people on here. Yeah. And I definitely think there's like a lot of keyboard warriors out there that they just like get bored and go online and it's kind of sad because it is, a, it's effect, it affects people and they're like, we're real people behind the computer screen or behind the phone. So. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. So thank you so much for opening up about that because I've had most of my guests come on and they talk about, I mean, they don't say like social media is great, but we do talk about how it's a great tool for building a business. And it is, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about that, but there are dangers to it. It can be super stressful and it can affect our mental health. So I appreciate you coming on and telling a little bit about your story and your experiences with it, because I don't know, I don't think many people, I mean, I think most people would agree that it can be troublesome, but I don't know if a lot of people would come on here and and talk about it. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, no problem. I think it's definitely, um, if I was a brand, like I've had to think about, I had to get to a place where I sort of had to change my mindset where I wasn't thinking of myself as a person. I was thinking of myself as my brand. Mm -hmm. And so how I would, um, want to be portrayed if I was a brand publicly, uh, and, that was a, a, a healthy shift to make because it helped me distance myself from kind of um, taking things too personally on social media. But at the same time, like I'm not an entrepreneur, I'm not trying to build a business. So I don't have that obligation to use it in that way. Um, I think if it was, you know, if I was in your shoes, it would be a completely different story because I'd be using my social media account for some completely different reason. Um, right. 
but at the same time, I think, you know, following you and getting to look at your stories, you are very approachable and you're also very, you're good at kind of balancing your own personal self with your brand. So you're posting pictures of your food and (laughs) exercise routine and things that are normal things. And then you're also posting things that are for your clients. And I, I think that it's probably one of the reasons people are drawn to you because you have that dual person, like profile going on. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I think in the entrepreneurship industry, especially in business coaching and coaching in general, you're not, you're not like, I mean, you're, you're purchasing a product or a service because you need it, but really you're, you're purchasing it because you like the person and you're like, I want that person to teach me. And I want to spend time and my money on that person. It's, it's really about them and less about the service because there's so many people who do what I do, like thousands, millions, I don't know, so many people, but what makes me different is just that I'm me. (laughs) So that's, that's really what I I teach my clients. And I I tell people is that's the differentiating factor is just being authentic and and doing things your way. And it makes it so that you're more memorable too. So like if I had questions and I needed help, I've messaged you in the past about creating logos and things. It's like, I know I can go to her because, well, I know you and I know you're, you know, a very approachable person. And I also know that you do great work and that you're extremely professional and I want to support that. Right. So yeah. Yeah. That's the thing we like, we forget, I think is people like someone who signed up for my course recently was like, I've been like watching you and like commenting on your stuff and liking everything for almost a year now, but I've been waiting for the opportunity to actually work with you and support you. And that was like the actual words she used. She's like, I want, I've been wanting to support you, which was cool. And I do that too. Like there, there are people who I'm like, oh, I'm going to definitely purchase their stuff over someone else's because I specifically like them and want to support them and their growth. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. Good point you bring up. I, I want to switch gears into the more lighthearted, funny questions. Okay. I'm really interested in this, this answer. But if you were a car, what would you be? Uh, yeah, you know, the thing is, is I originally was going to say a WRX because I want a WRX. I freaking yeah. love those cars. I love yeah. standards. But then I'm not, a, I don't want attention. So that doesn't... Mm. So me personally, okay, then I guess what I would like to do, or I would like to have my car be like a base model Corolla because my first um, car. (laughs) reason why is because it is efficient and it doesn't have all these bells and whistles to distract you, but it gets you where you need to go and it's reliable Mm -hmm. and it's a pretty real car. Like it's a type of car you would, um, you're not like trying to show off or trying to put on a facade. Mm-hmm. Plus I also kind of need to get a new car and I might get a new one and it might be a Corolla. So <laughs> I loved my Corolla. It was my second car. I corrected myself, but it felt like my first car because I had it for so long, but I love that car. I, I rode it so hard and then I gave it to my boyfriend and then he rode it so hard. <laughs> we yep. love that car. They are super reliable. They're good on gas. They're good. It's a good pick. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I had a Corolla as my second car and I did the same thing. I, I rode that thing into the ground. Mm-hmm. So reliable. Yeah, that's a good choice and a good choice for you. I think my initial instinct was like, oh, she's going to say something about like hiking, like a hiking car or whatever, but yeah, but that really, the Corolla fits you. I like the way that you explain that. Yeah. I, the only concern I have is I can't take a Corolla on some of these roads I drive on. That thing was bottom. No, but out. I took a I took my Corolla on a lot of roads in the White Mountains. I didn't get flat tires, but the car was okay. <laughs> I don't want to have to change a flat tire though. Yeah, I don't recommend. And like the the road to like the South Twin area isn't that bad. It is a dirt road. I forget yeah. what road that is, but that was the road that I got a flat tire on. I was like, this is not an ideal place to have this happen. Yeah. No, I don't want to deal with that. 
Yeah. So maybe just get some like really souped up tires or something. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe lift it a little bit so it's not going to bottom out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a good idea. Um, so the next question, when was the last time someone said, wow, that's so on brand for you, or that's so you, something like in that context? Mm, my husband tells me that I'm very similar to my cat that I just got. <laughs> Oh, the kitten. She is very much, very stubborn and she has her desire that she's going to do this thing. And then that's it. Like there's no stopping her. She's, um, yeah, she's me in a cat form, basically like she's super pig headed and she's, but she's so cute and I love her so much. So feisty. Yep. I just had to take her to the vet this afternoon because she has an injury on her neck and I have no clue how she got it. Oh my God. She just is definitely gonna into be, things. Yeah, like she she gets into everything and yeah, she's very relentless in what she wants, but she's also really smart. Mm. I guess that's a good thing if I'm being compared to her because she's smart and she's cute. <laughs> yeah, I love your stories with your cats. I can't even think of like a specific one, but there's been a few where I've actually laughed out loud and had to yeah. show my boyfriend because. I just thought they were so funny. I just love animals. Animals are the best content. And you don't have, a, you can't have cats, right? Because you're allergic. Well, so it's funny because I've been getting allergy shots since 2007, which is a long time. Um, and so I'm fine around cats now. So as long as I don't stop my shots, I can have a cat. But I went to my friend's house or apartment rather for New Year's Eve and she has two cats. Mm-hmm. and Dylan my boyfriend was with us and I was fine and he was sneezing nonstop. and he doesn't really have allergies so we're like did we like switch allergies or yeah. something it's crazy so I don't I don't think we could get one because of him I think I'd be fine but we're definitely planning on getting a dog at some point yeah I feel like you're a dog person very much so. I love cats though. Cats are, I mean, I love all animals to be quite honest. I, I mean, I have my, my gecko back there. She's, she's doing great. I got my fish. Like when we get a house, I'm definitely going to have a massive fish tank. And then probably I keep joking about having a reptile room. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I love weird critters, but I also want a dog really badly too. So hopefully that that happens this year that's the goal nice yes so tell me tell me about you as a kid and the reason I ask this question is because I find that a lot of people are either one way or the other they're like oh I'm still the same person that I was as a kid totally or they'll be like oh my gosh no I'm totally different and so it always interests me and I think our childhoods totally inform our brand and us as people, obviously. I'm very similar to how I was as a kid. Um, I'm very stubborn still where I want to do it myself. (laughs) Um, Apparently when I was like two or something or three, maybe too young to really be able to do it on my own. I used to tell my mom, I was going to dress myself (laughs) and I would keep saying, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to do it on my own. And I was really stubborn about it. Um, and I'm the same way now. I want to do it on my own, like for everything. Cause it just, I don't know. It's just how I am. You're so. super independent and something that we hadn't really gone over, but I guess maybe obvious, but you hike alone. Typically that's like your preferred yeah. way of hiking. And it used to be the same for me, but Dylan's a good hiking person now, but I used to be the same way. I'm like, I am here. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to go at my own pace. I don't have to worry about anyone else. Stop when I want to. Mm-hmm. I always, I feel like my default for most things is doing things alone, to be honest, but it's different now that I have him. Yeah. I'm really kind of grotesquely independent. Um, <laughs> yeah. I really love to be by myself. Um, I hike alone. I think I've done three or four hikes now with another girl I'm friends with. And that's like a huge me stepping I, out of. I remember seeing that and being like, she's hiking with someone. Oh yeah. And I feel bad because people ask me or they'll message and say, if you ever want someone to hike with, and I just feel like such a jerk. Cause I'm like, yeah, no, thanks. But then 
it's not anything against them. It's just, I like to do it on my own and it's funner for me. So it's not like yeah. a personal slight against whoever might be asking, but I do feel kind of guilty when I have to kind of just be nice about saying I like to hike on my own. Um, well, cause it feels selfish, but, and I guess it is, but also being selfish isn't always a bad thing, right? Yeah. Like, that's really the, the lesson there. Yeah. <laughs> does your husband like ever want to hike or I know that he does like weightlifting. How does that conversation work? Is he just like, <laughs> you do your thing? <laughs> yeah. He has no interest in it. And I don't kind of, I kind of don't blame him because of his job working. Mm. Um, he's a commercial plumber. And so he's outside oh, a lot of the time lifting heavy pipes. Manual. Yeah. Yeah. So like he, he works out in the elements and honestly, like, I don't blame him for not wanting to go walk up a mountain on his days <laughs> off. Like he needs right. a, he's, he needs a break and he actually just started doing jujitsu. So that's his new thing that he's oh. doing. Yeah. He's, he's just one of those people that are naturally athletic. So I'm <laughs> kind of don't think I'd want him to hike with me. Cause he'd probably make me feel horrible about my, my, yeah, um, you're like two different cases. You're like, this isn't fun. No. <laughs> So it, it works out good. That's good. That's cool. Yeah. I know we talked about that before, but I think it's a, a funny point. And also women who are listening, who want to hike alone, just do it. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people, like when I did the single day Pemi loop and people were like petrified for me, they were like, <laughs> you're going to get hurt. You're blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, if I was with people, it wouldn't really help that much. Like be, I'm just in the woods anyway like getting yeah. anyone hurt out of the woods is very difficult even with people so um, yeah and you're I not going to encourage be... women to do it yeah in the pemi loop you're going to see so many people that you're not even ever going to be alone on that trail I was, I was only alone at like 4 a.m when i started and even then there were still like a ton of people in the parking lot like yeah it's true yeah you gotta just know like when you just have to be smart like but you have to be smart anyway even if you're not alone like you have to know the trail and you have to have a map and have your essentials and, and all those things. So yeah. it doesn't matter if you're alone or with anyone else. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So the last question about your sense of humor. So I asked people what the funniest thing they've ever witnessed is, but a lot of people have trouble with that. Cause they're like, I don't want to, I don't know the funniest, but I can think of something funny. So something funny, a funny story. If you have one. Yeah. I was trying to think of what I could do for this one and I don't know. And I feel like everything I'm going to say is going to be like inappropriate in some way. Like some bathroom humor of some kind. Um, I don't don't have anything. That's okay. Yeah. I can't think of anything. And I'm sure there's lots of funny things that have happened or that I've witnessed and I just can't think of them off the top of my head. Yeah, I feel like the the funniest things are for me are always like the the little things like a random TikTok I watched or like watching yeah. someone's cat do something. It's it's like the little moments that are the funniest for me. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can't think of anything. I'm sorry. I don't apologize. Know. It's when I, I I feel like I put people on the spot with that question sometimes. So you'll think of yeah, something at like midnight tonight when you're asleep <laughs> then I'll message you and be like hey this is my funny thing <laughs> cool well again I want to thank you so much for coming on here and talking about your experience with social media and also for being my friend no social media is not all that bad because we met right <laughs> exactly this is, if it wasn't for social media we wouldn't be friends right it's crazy to think about though, but it's like that with so many people, even like, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't know Dylan. Like we met on Bumble. Like that's crazy. Oh, wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Like if I had not messaged him, cause Bumble is the one where women have to message first. So if I hadn't messaged him, like we wouldn't have met. That's so crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. And I have no clue how any of those things work because <laughs> I haven't ever had to use them. You're, you're lucky. Before I met him, there was a lot of, a lot of misses. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I can. I've heard horror stories from my single friends that it's just like a nightmare out there. 
For sure. I mean, it's the same with social media. Like it can be a nightmare and it can be the best thing ever. There's yeah. always two sides to everything. So I think it's yeah. important for us to talk about both for sure. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. I want to, I know that you're, you're super busy with grad school and you're hiking and everything else going on. Um, I might have people who are interested in following you. I mean, what is, what is your, your take on that? I guess I'd have to know what in particular it is that they wanted to follow for <laughs> if they want to see my outdoor pictures because <laughs> it's literally like all I post. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think as long as they're someone that I would probably screen them through you and say, does this person sound like someone I should fall or should, should I let them <laughs> into the inner circle? <laughs> yeah. I, I selfishly had you on this podcast because I just wanted to get your story and I guess you want nothing from me. <laughs> I really, I just want us to be friends That's and to okay. be able to ask you if I ever want advice on a, a logo. <laughs> of course, you know, you know it. You got my number. You hey, got you my are... number. You don't and even if... just have my Instagram. I know. And if nothing else, this is payback for you getting that logo or whatever that you made for me last fall. Oh, Yeah. So, so fun. I know. I was like, I couldn't believe that. That's like the coolest thing. I, well, it's I, like my love language is like making things for people. So I'm like, yeah. she's not having a good time. I need to make something. It was so sweet. And I still have pictures. Like I have it in my Google photos. I have photos of it because I just are screen whatever. Like I have it downloaded. You this had is, it as like your profile picture for a while. I was like, yep. oh, I'm on Yeah. It. Cause that's my, that's my logo. Like that's my thing. That's your brand. It is. So. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate you. And I'm glad we met. Me too. Yeah. Cool. And I hope that school is going well. Oh, it's going. That's for sure. I'm (laughs) already knee deep in reading. Let me tell you. I'm going to read all of Macbeth by next Monday. And then like multiple other readings on top of that. So. Well, good thing you like reading. I know. It's a good thing because it doesn't end. Nope. All right. Well, okay. I'm so bad at signing off. I could go on for like another like 20 minutes, but I'm going to end this. Thank you so much again. I hope everyone enjoyed listening. Thank you for having me on. Of course. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye.